Greetings, patriots, friends, brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministry, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Today's message is the glorious church now. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in this hour. It is marvelous before our eyes. I thank you that you are awakening your church, you are strengthening your church, and you are readying us for the greatest awakening ever to hit planet Earth. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Oh, church, I am excited today. Now, you've got to listen up today, and you've got to listen clear. This is not a time to be sad, to be downhearted, or discouraged. No more boo-hooing or words of defeat. Why? Because we're not defeated. Now, you might say to me, Dawn, you realize Joe Biden is sitting in the White House, signing executive orders one after another, bringing great pain to our fellow countrymen. Yes, yes, I do realize it. But it's the great setup. See, many Christians are saying, well, yes, we win. We win in the end. So in the meantime, we just have to suck it up and just come along and wait till Jesus returns. No, 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 a thousand times no. We win now, right now. We've won. Yes, we have. The Great Awakening has begun. Now, if you don't know Mario Murillo, he's a longtime evangelist, and he has been having tent meetings in in California. And guess what? Hundreds, hundreds of people are getting saved, healed from pain and sicknesses, And many are getting delivered from drugs. In fact, I saw the video with my own eyes. One man, a drug dealer, brought a big bag of marijuana, threw it on the ground, stomped on it, and said, I'm done with this. Now, I don't know about you, but that revs me up. It gets me excited. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it is. You see, over there in California, where they are locked down, tighter than a biscuit, as my friend in Oregon says, locked down so tight. Oh, but God is having a blast. He is touching the people of California and bringing them to salvation. Oh, I am so excited. Now, many of you think God has forgotten America. That's, you know, after, after the loss of the election, after the inauguration, many of you think that God has forgotten America because Donald Trump didn't win. Never. Never. We are the glorious church, Okay. You need to even say that to yourself. We are the glorious church, and we are finally getting our act together. 
finally. Now, last week, I talked to you about the triumphant church. Jesus always leads us in triumph. Oh, hallelujah. Because Jesus has overcome. Now, listen to what he said in the Gospel of John 16, 33. And if you have your Bibles, open up your Bible, get your pen and paper, mark these scriptures down. I'm reading out of the New King James Version today. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So number one, this is what Jesus says, in him we have peace. We don't have to fret about the socialists and the Marxists in our government. We don't have to fret about all the very bad executive orders that were just signed by Joe Biden. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fret because in Jesus, in him, we have our peace. Number two, Jesus said, you live in this world, so you're going to have tribulation. Now, what exactly is tribulation? I thought it was important to explain thoroughly what this word tribulation means. And the Greek word used there in the New Testament is the word philipsis. And listen to what it means. It means a pressing, pressure, distress, oppression, affliction anguish, burdened, trouble, and persecution. So you and I are going to have, in other words, we can expect, as believers, we can expect, Jesus said, we can expect persecution, pressure, trouble, distress, anguish, oppression, affliction, But then Jesus said, be of good cheer. And that Greek word is the word theseo. And it means actually be of good courage, to have courage. So let's look at Jesus' words again. Okay. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, not in who is president, in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. In the world in which you live, you will have pressure, you will have persecution, you will have anguish, you will have trouble, you will be burdened and oppressed, and you will have distress. But be of good courage. Have courage. I have overcome the world. Now you're going to love this. Jesus said, I looked up that Greek word, world. And this is what Jesus actually did. Jesus said, I've conquered the world and carried off the victory against all my enemies. I 
have prevailed. Please shout hallelujah. Okay, so when Jesus says, I've overcome the world, he is saying, I've conquered the world and I've carried off the victory against all my enemies. I have prevailed. Now, you and I need to get this down deep in us, okay? Look, we have to be of good courage because Jesus conquered the world and carried off the victory against all his enemies. They're our enemies, too. And he says, I have prevailed. Now, John writes, the Apostle John writes in 1 John 2, 13, 1 John 2, 13, this is what he writes. He says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him, speaking of Jesus, who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And then John repeats in verse 14, he says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. We have to be encouraged here because Jesus overcame the world. He prevailed, right? He prevailed over all his enemies and he's given us the ability as well to overcome the wicked one and to prevail against all of our enemies. Now, the word um, overcome is, this, is the Greek word nikeo. And John writes in 1 John 4, 4, he says, speaking to the church. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He goes on to verse five and six, and he says, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. Now, you and I can surely attest to that. Everything that the socialist left party is saying, everybody gets to hear it because all the net news networks are in cahoots with this party. And so they broadcast all of it on a daily basis. So all of the world is hearing about the world because it's being broadcast daily, 24-7, and it's influencing millions of people. And now they are speaking this corruption to the children of America in the corrupt secular school system, and it is very corrupt. So, yes, they of the world. They are of the world, John writes. Therefore, they speak as of the world. I'm going to continue to always remind us. We are in a spiritual battle. 
Now, these agencies, these government agencies, the NEA, the National Education Association, they're corrupt because they don't know Jesus. And they're influenced more and more by the king of darkness. Now, let me step back a minute. I'm not saying that every teacher in America is corrupt. Don't distort that. That's not what I'm saying. But there are leaders over these agencies who are corrupt. They have a specific agenda. And that agenda is to literally ruin the minds of your children and your grandchildren. And I've already shared with you several broadcasts ago about the 1619 Project, which is to rewrite American history, delete everything, anything about our founding, about the American Revolution, about the Civil War, about World War I, World War II, the Holocaust. Let's just delete that from the history books so children aren't going to grow up Well, I mean, what will they learn? What will they know? And then they introduce in grade school, in the early grades, one through five, they introduce homosexual um, behavior. They introduce homosexuality as normal behavior. So obviously, obviously, not every teacher is corrupt. There are many, many, many good teachers out there trying to do their very best, working very hard. But it's the system that they're in. It's the leadership. It's the ones who are in charge that are pushing this anti-Christ agenda. Now, so they speak as of the world. And the Bible calls the world. So who are we talking about? Who's John talking about when he says that they speak as of the world and the world hears them? The world is the ungodly multitude. The Bible says it's the whole mass of men and women alienated from God. Therefore, they are hostile to the cause of Christ. And lastly, The world is referred to the aggregate of things earthly. In other words, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which, although hollow and frail and fleeting, they stir desire and seduce us from God and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. So, yes, that is what we are up against. But Christ says, have courage. I've overcome this system, which is against the kingdom of God. And greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, than he, Satan, that is in the world. Now, Satan is ruling over this worldly system. But here's what you have to remember. At one point in time, Satan had full control 
over this worldly system. But Jesus came and he died on the cross and he shed his blood and he bought, bought it back on the cross and gave it to us. The church is just beginning to awaken to see that we can take back this antichrist system and turn it back to God's rule. Heaven on earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look, John continues in verse 6. He says, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. John is saying that if you are a Christian and you start speaking to someone who's worldly, they don't, they don't hear what you're saying because they can't. But the person who knows God, these folks understand and they perceive. And they, they understood and perceived what John was teaching them, you see, because they were of God. By this, John says, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Folks, this is a principle that we can follow. We are of God. We have the Holy Spirit that will keep us from the spirit of error if, if, big if, if we abide in his word and we abide in him. Now, that's not, a, that's not a definite guarantee because the Bible also says in these last days, in the, in the last days, but we all believe we're in the last days, that even the elect will be deceived. So even those who know the word, they abide with the Lord, they spend time with him, even they will be deceived. Now, I can tell you, that it's happening. It is happening left and right. A well-known female Bible teacher has now fallen into a spirit of error. If I said her name, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about. Years ago, we did her ladies' Bible studies, and they were excellent. I mean excellent. But now I wouldn't dare sit under her teaching. Why? Because the spirit of error has crept into her ministry. You see, you and I must be very diligent not to walk in deception. And if I could, I would tell you the specifics of two longtime Christian sisters who have fallen into the spirit of error. This is like recently like last week, this happened. These two people have walked with the Lord a long time. But each has um, developed some very um, distinctly wrong theology. Really wrong. I mean, it, it took my breath away. And, uh, you know, obviously I can't publicly share the stories because I wouldn't want to 
you know, possibly I, w- I wouldn't want to embarrass them. So, but that's where we are. You see, we are in a time and place where even great ministers are falling into a spirit of error. Greater is he that is in you. We must nurture our relationship with Holy Spirit. He is our very precious comforter, teacher, strengthener. He always leads us to Jesus, our Savior and healer. Jesus overcame the world so that we could also overcome the world. We want to we want to bring heaven to earth. That's the mandate on your life and my life to bring heaven to earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to put it all into perspective. We we Americans are not living under Nero's rule or Diocletian's leadership. Now, if you don't remember, Nero was the Roman um he was, you know, in the in the line of rulers over the Roman Empire and he was followed, I believe there might have been one in between there by Diocletian. And under their leadership, Christians were literally thrown to the lions and tigers in the Colosseum of Rome for the entertainment of the masses. We have lived our lives in in luxury and peace. And you and I cannot imagine what life was like for these Christians who faced the fiercest opposition to the gospel. But there is a scripture in Revelations 12, 11 that says, And they overcame him, Satan, referring to Satan, and they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. We look back at the testimony of our brothers and sisters whose lives were sacrificed by mutilation of their bodies by hungry, vicious animals that tore them to pieces. They overcame Satan by their witness and their death. They now make up the great cloud of witnesses, and we can thank them for setting an example of the glorious church now. Jesus said in John, the gospel, 15, verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... The world would love its own. Yet because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we wonder why people have no tolerance for Christians in America. I mean, you see that over and over. You see the people that are being sued for standing up for their rights. They're being harassed and intimidated. Why? Because 
They hate us because they hate Jesus. And we're not of this world because Jesus chose us, chose us out of the world. And for that reason, the world is going to hate you and they're going to hate me. We see in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, that Paul is talking about Christ being the head of the church and the husband is the head of the wife. In verse 25 of chapter 5, Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. O Lord, I thank you that we are becoming the glorious church now. I just want to conclude today with a great song called Glorious Day by Casting Crowns. One day when heaven was filled with his praises One day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin Dwelt among men, my example is he The word became flesh and the light shined among Glory revealed, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious Oh, glory.
buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. It's a glorious day. We're the glorious church. We win now. Well, you can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. And I am asking you to please, please pray for this ministry. I really, really do covet your prayers. I need your prayers. And I would love you to financially support this ministry. You can write me at P.O. Box. 85 Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box, 85 Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Well, I sure do look forward to being with you again next week. And so I leave you with Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.